Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am excited today to get rolling and get started. We won't keep this guest too long. He is the co-owner and managing editor at FantasyPoints.com. He's the number one most accurate ranker at Fantasy Pros from 14 to 18. He's the recipient of the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association Radio Show of the Year Award in 2019 for his Sirius XM show, Fantasy Football Game Day, co-hosted with Matt Camp. He's also the co-host of The Fantasy Feast with Ross Tucker. He was a writer for the Eagles in 2008, and he is one of my bosses at FantasyPoints.com. You can find him on Twitter, at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. The first question everybody wants to know is how long... Uh, well, I guess the, the first question is really, do you prefer to be called champ, el campeón, Joe the Truth Dolan? What's your favorite? Well, I really like el campeón. Uh, and when you're, you off, are you fluent in Spanish? I, I am. I am. Yeah. Oh, man. That, see, that is something that I always wish I did. Um, there, There's a, a couple things that uh, I really wish I could go back and tell like 13-year-old me to do. Um, by the way, I don't need a nickname. Just Joe is fine. Um, Matt Camp kind of... I, derisively is the wrong word, but kind of tongue in cheek. He just started calling me big game on our first <laughs> ever radio that. show. And like, like he just started calling me that just because, well, we have a radio show. So it's big game. Joe Dolan. I, nobody had ever called me that in my life. Um, Matt just kind of invented it. People, some people still do, even though we kind of retired that when, uh, when Tori Holt, who's the real big game actually got hired to, to be on a uh, serious XM fantasy sports radio, but no, I don't need a nickname. Uh, Joe is fine. Um, but going back to what I was saying there and you're, you're going to understand tangents are a part of who I am. Um, no, no, uh, I really wish I could have told myself to keep it up with Spanish because I was, I was good at it in high school, but, um, I just never went beyond that. But oh, I did go to Spain on my honeymoon in 2016 and I was, somewhat impressed with myself by how much I could remember. And, you know, for a second language, it was picking out the words you understood that people were saying and being able to formulate those into a thought um, so you could understand what people were saying to you. But in Barcelona, people, um, there, there were not... A, a, in other parts of Europe, especially on coastal cities, there are a lot of English speakers. But I noticed Barcelona, there weren't a ton in comparison to some of the other coastal cities, especially those in Italy. So um, I was able to uh, I was able to uh, formulate some rational discussion in Spanish, which I was happy with. But I really should be able to do more at this point. And it's another disappointment from my teenage years that I wish uh, that at the time didn't seem like a big deal. But I really wish at this point I could have. Uh, like I, I could have advanced to being an actual fluent speaker. Well, it's, it's, I'm kind of cheating. I mean, I'm, I'm the son of two Mexican immigrants who only spoke Spanish uh, in my household. And so I, for me growing up, English was actually a second language when I'd go to school. Um, mm -hmm. That's where I learned to, and then for my older brothers, I've, I've, I'd learned English, but my parents only spoke Spanish to me. And my dad, funny enough, he, uh, he would pay us anytime. Once we got older, he'd pay us like five bucks. If, if we spoke to only Spanish to him, um, the whole day. And that was only because he couldn't understand what we were saying half the time, which is, uh, it's, it's funny. I can make fun of my dad. It's all right. He preferred Spanish. So I, I sort of got a, a leg up on you on that one. So don't put, don't be too hard on yourself because being able to go to Barcelona and a different country where it's, it's native tongue. I mean, yeah, I would say I'm just as impressed, just as impressed hearing that story. Um, so no worries there, but yeah. the ne the next question then, if, if I can't call you big game, I can't call you a gumpion. I'll just call you Joe, I guess. That's um, fine. The next question. Yeah. The next question we'll ask you is 
tell us all about fantasy points. This is a fantasy points fiesta. What can, what are the, what are subscribers? What can they look forward to? Well, um, obviously they can look forward to you. By the way, I, I, it raised a question. How do you say your last name? <laughs> Borras. Okay. So you do roll the R. I can do that, but I can't do it well enough that it sounds like I'm not mocking you. If I say it, does that make sense? No, I appreciate the effort. If I mean, honestly, if any person who isn't a fluent Spanish speaker uh, gives the effort, it actually means a lot. So I'm okay, well, I'm not going to do it right now. Um, but but I, I <laughs> no figured worries. because of the double R that you rolled the R, the yes. air, yeah. if you will. Yeah. You the, got, the, uh, there you but, go. Uh, there you go. I love uh, it. So that that was a little bit, but no. Okay, I I wanted to get that out of the way. But you're okay if if uh, people Absolutely. with like a Philly accent are like porous. You're okay. You're okay <laughs> yeah, with no, that. No, I'm, yeah, I'm okay, okay with either one. I'm okay, okay but one. um. But it's great to talk to you, uh, obviously. Um, so uh, I'm interviewing you, I guess, is, is part of the is you're, part of the. You're the journalist here, man. You're you're flipping the table. The tables have turned. Yeah. So I'm glad I that I actually have meant to ask you that for a long time, and I just because you know ignorant American, I just never got around to it because you know that's what we do in this country. But um, but no. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about fantasy points. Um, obviously, you're you're part of that. Uh, Dr. Edwin is, is, is a huge part of, of, of what we're doing. He's been churning out content about as much as any of us uh, on the site. But we have what, what I consider, and this was a focus of the website. The focus of the website was to have a small, unified brain trust that people can trust and, and can come, uh, understand that we're all coming from different perspectives but kind of arriving at similar conclusions we don't want to we don't want all of our staff to say oh my god we have to love drew Brees exactly the same we we want to get there by reaching rational conclusions and mixing all the viewpoints together to come to the most rational conclusions. So what you're going to get from us using obviously your injury info, but Greg Cosell's film study, the numbers from Scott Barrett and, uh, and Graham Barfield, uh, just common sense stuff from, from Tom Brawley and John Hansen. And we're going to come together and paint a really good picture of how you should feel about people for fantasy. And the cool thing about our website is obviously with your, with your content, Edwin and, um, and and with the Greg Cosell film room content, I think it's a really good website for football fans. Like, oh, dude, it, absolutely. Yeah, like I don't think you need to play fantasy. Now, I would hope if you're ponying up the money for our website, you play fantasy or are going to plan to play fantasy. But um, I think it's a good website for football fans too because uh, we are we we are going to have a good stat database. That's that's in the works. We've been working on that. Uh, for quite some time, but just getting the content out there was the priority. So that's kind of what fantasy points is. Um, it harkens a little bit back to our days when I was with fantasy guru, it was a small team and I think it's a team that people can trust. And that doesn't mean we don't have um, the incentive and, or the ambition to, to uh, proceed and to expand um, in the future. But certainly what we wanted to do was focus on one sport, um, make sure you didn't have to sign up, you know, 14 times to get our content, just kind of, Hey, do you play DFS? Do you bet? Or do you just play fantasy? And those are your two choices. And that's kind of what our focus was. And I think we're still a little bit, not a little bit of a unicorn in the industry because everybody, and look, there's no right way to do this, but everybody's like more, 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 more. And, you know, I, I think it at least has benefited us in the current climate that we're in. Obviously we didn't plan to launch in the middle of a global pandemic. That is not, that was right. never yeah, in the cards. Exactly. You know, when, you know, John Hansen didn't send out an email to me and Graham and Tom and Scott and Ben Kukanis 
and say, hey, have you guys heard about this coronavirus thing? How about we launch a business? You know, that wasn't exactly how it went down. Um, this has been in the works for over a year, but I think we've, we've benefited from the fact that um, in, in this time that we've kind of had a smaller focus and aren't trying to deal with so many things. And that, that was how we wanted to start. We wanted this to be more of a family kind of atmosphere, frankly. I think that you guys have pulled it off. And I know that because it's an, I'm really an outsider, right? So I do this semi-professionally. It's, I'm a physical therapist who enjoys and, and finds fantasy football and injury analysis. I, I think it's a hobby for me. And what I when, as an outsider, so I feel like that makes me an outsider. And as an outsider looking in, I say to myself, like, holy shit, I can get all these guys, um, all these, and, and Jules McLean, so all these gals, some of these gals, into, you know, in sort of one package deal. And I can use it for this hobby, this fantasy sports hobby that I have. And holy shit, man. I mean, the prices are nuts. Like, I, I literally, quite literally was as as a staff member was shocked to learn what our prices were what do you think about that well um and and without making this just sound like an infomercial you know set it and forget it uh, three easy payments of 1995 um <laughs> without making it sound like an infomercial um I, we have flat out been told by people in the industry that our prices are dumb like you're not charging enough and right. I, I i think edwin at this point it kind of um it kind of suited us well. Again, we didn't plan for the pandemic, but I think, you know, launching with a discount, which has expired, but, you know, we, we got a lot of paid subscribers for that because I think people appreciated that, um, that we'd launched during the pandemic with, uh, with a really competitive price uh, in the industry. I mean, like, I don't know what site is offering up a full DFS embedding package for a hundred dollars. I just don't know. Uh, like no, I, yeah, and, and especially the quality with Scott Barrett, who's regarded as one of the brightest DFS minds, like with what he's done up at Pro Football Focus in in the past years. Like I, I just think it's it's stupid what we're doing. But uh, we had a lot of spirited discussions about this. Like trust me, this wasn't this wasn't John Hansen coming down and saying a eh, hundred dollars. There was a lot of spirited discussion about it. Like I think we could charge three hundred. Should we charge just a hundred and not let anybody get a lower tier like that, that there was a lot of discussion about that, but, um, we decided to come in and honestly sell ourselves short for at least a year here to try to establish something. And, and the, the pandemic just kind of made that all the more, um, all the more necessary for us, in my opinion. So, you know, we're not with, I guess there's an element with these sports and certainly you would know better than I of whistling past the graveyard with some of the content that we're putting out, but it played a large, uh, a large part in, in our pricing structure and, and the business model we had. And obviously we really hope that by the, at the very latest by next year, that that's in the rear view mirror. Um, certainly we hope by like September, October, it's in the rear view mirror. I'm not sure how realistic that is. Um, I, I wonder if it's simply going to be in the blind spot mirror of the NFL and they're just going to hope to make sure they're not changing lanes at the wrong time. That's kind of how it feels like for them right now. But uh, for us, it was very much in um, it was very much in our in our field of vision. Like we had we had to acknowledge that it was happening when it came to putting out our business model. And I think that that you touched on something that is is extremely um, to me, admirable, right? So, you know, I'm not going to blow smoke up your rear or anything or say that you guys were, 
you know, my heroes or anything like that. But a big, a large reason why I admired and, and respect all of you guys is because of the human element that you all, pre- you seem to present in, in any of your content, especially you, Joe, like you, you talked about the human element of, we can't ignore the pandemic. We didn't plan on la- launching for the pandemic, but this is where we're at. You know, you constantly talk about it being um, a small tight knit group that you collectively can. And I've heard you talk on other podcasts, you know, you say we, we want to be you know, we want to share all any type of accolades that we get. And in your letter at, that's over at fantasypoints.com, um, you, this was a super candid letter. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. I teared up reading it. And I heart, and I mean, let's not pretend like we've known each other for years and years, right? I mean, we've never even met in person. I've known you for, you know, a matter of a year, maybe. And I think this is only was, the second time we've ever actually talked voice to voice, to be completely honest. Exactly. Exactly. Just kind of the way things go these days, right? I mean, it, it really is. And that letter that you put out, man, I mean, that was a moving letter. Um, and you talked a lot about, you know, I'm, I, I don't want I don't want to give too much away because I think the, the listeners, you guys really should stop what you're doing. Or stop listening. Go to fantasypoints.com and go to Joe Dolan's letter, um, his welcome letter. What was the inspiration for that letter? And, and what does it mean to you? Well, um, I, initially, I was uh, I was just going to welcome you know the people who had been with us with the fantasy free agents last year, and um, I guess Tom and I um, uh, I don't want to I don't want to put a negative spin on it because it's, that's quite the opposite. But um, I don't know if you're a fan of the Beatles, but uh, when when John Lennon apparently he had uh, he had a separation from from uh, Yoko Ono for a time. And uh, apparently shacked up with a woman called May Pang, and he called that his lost weekend. Um, I wonder if this past year was kind of our lost weekend with me and Tom, where we just kind of had to go and do some soul searching. And this was not a this was not a decision that came lightly for us when we left Fantasy Guru and went to do uh, well. We didn't plan to do Fantasy Free Agents, but we had to. Um, uh, you can you can read into that whatever you want, but. Um, I didn't realize until like I was actually doing that myself um, that I finally like kind of felt in control. Like I felt like I was doing something that I was meant to be doing. And uh, believe me, I, there, there wasn't like this aha moment where I'm like, Oh crap, I'm in over my head. And then boom, just like that at the snap of a finger, I'm not in over my head anymore. I I still struggle with it, but there is something, um, that I, that I brought up in uh, the letter that's up at fantasypoints.com called imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know that you could, you could refer to it by a couple of different names, I'm sure, but it's just like the, the, the gnawing feeling that whatever you're doing, you are not qualified to do. And that's whether that's, you know, I'm not qualified to be in my marriage. I'm not qualified to be a parent. Um, certainly I, I play golf a lot, but I'm not qualified to be on a golf course. Um, and uh, in, in my industry like the knowing that I'm not qualified to be doing what I'm doing even though I've been doing it for over 10 years and I think a lot of that goes back to not to put place blame on anybody but my own fucked up head but the 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 notion that you know I didn't earn what was given to me and whether that's true or not um it's something that kind of like permeated my subconscious and I needed a lot of therapy um, for me to start to understand that I was grappling with that. And, um, Bravo, by the way, to, 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 to seek out help for something that you knew you needed help with, and then to talk about it openly as, as you should, and as any, anybody should with these types of issues. Uh, I, I, it's another reason I, I admire yeah. the hell out of you. Sorry. Continue. Well, I appreciate that. And like, but the, the funny part was I didn't go to therapy 
because I felt like a fraud. I did. It was one of those things where like when you were there, you kind of realized, Oh shit, I feel like a fraud. Like, I feel like I don't deserve these things. Um, and what, what, and whether that's a valid feeling or not, that kind of came out. I didn't, Look, I went to therapy because, um, for multiple reasons, um, I had things manifesting in, um, in, in a way that were a, of course, number a, number one detrimental to my health, but it also, there was health problems that I think were either exacerbated or simply created by my mental state. And I would take those and I would, I would take a vague symptom and essentially present, oh my God, I'm, I, I might be dying. That's why I went to therapy. And that doesn't just come out of nowhere, you know? And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, not taking care of yourself for a number of years, um, having to work a job where I was separated from my, my girlfriend, you know, by hundreds of miles, you know, not making the best decisions as few of us do in our 20s. Um, and all of that kind of collapsed onto itself, but it was only after peeling back the layers of the onion with therapists, multiple, that I, I began to, that I even was able to put into words that feeling. And then, of course, in his in his wise ways, my my um, Dr. Rick Lytle in State College, Pennsylvania, he was like, oh, that's imposter syndrome. And I was like, what's that? And well, it's kind of like what it sounds on on, on the face that you believe that you are or not a belief but a fear that you are an imposter and and that's i i wonder if the fear is different than the belief because if you believe then there's like an element of knowing that at least allows you to confront that um but the fear that this could be true Mm -hmm. Is something that is that that is problematic for me, and I still struggle with that in many ways. But yeah, that that, that my whole letter just to put a a really uh, a bow on the most sloppy package that I possibly presented to you right there was that doing fantasy free agents and trust me, I don't think we worked all that hard on it, but we just kind of did this podcast, and Tom and I fell into a routine, and it felt like we owned something and something that that we've earned for the first time, at least in my life, I felt like I earned something and that felt really good. And, um, that, that put me in the right mental state to, to be where I'm at at fantasy points right now. I am so sorry that took that long, but, um, I just wanted to talk you through my completely messed up mental state that, um, that I I've started to, to really come to grips with and wrestle with. Absolutely not. You don't need to apologize for anything. I mean, that's exactly what I think that that type of story is exactly what I wanted, um, to get out of you because I, I'm so interested by, you, you, we see these, and like you, you sort of alluded to it. We hadn't, when I read the letter, we hadn't even spoken on the phone. I, I don't think once. Mm-hmm. And I literally was moved by, by your words, and not necessarily relating directly, but understanding in the way that you described everything that you were going through, and not even knowing that, hey, you know, when I was a college kid, I was using your rankings, man. I was, I was using every workaround to fantasy pros to try to get to your rankings. I was using your, what does Joe Dolan say against consensus? And and me just not even really humanizing you. And I think that when I read that letter, it really sort of uh, not I wouldn't say kickstarted because I've already tried, you know, as an as a 27 year old to try to humanize any person that I that I interact with online 
or otherwise, but that letter really humanized you for me. And I was like, holy shit, man, like everyone really is going through their shit. Like it doesn't matter what it looks like on the surface. I mean, from 2014 to 2018, you were absolutely just killing it, man. Like it's, you objectively were, were the best ranker in this crazy game that we play. And, and I wonder, and I'm, and I'm sort of curious, and this leads into my next question during that time to 14 to 18, you know, especially before you went to fantasy free agents in 19, before you took off, what did you even know? Like, did, what was that like? Because you wrote in a letter, Tom and I took a risk last year, giving up a stable income to do something our guts told us we needed to. And while things didn't go exactly as planned, as we alluded to many times, we fell in love with working in the fantasy industry once again. So during the time before that, you know, 14 to 18, how did you, how, how on earth were you so dominant in the rankings contest and like so good at what you did? And did you even realize at the time that you were grappling with these things? I don't want to call you out on this um, um, because I, that is absolutely not the the intention. But what you just said is kind of part of the reason I think in ways that I struggle with mentally, like with praise or whatnot, is because while it is true that I made a contribution to all that, to say that it was just my rankings and my process and my formula and damn it, this is me, 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 it is completely wrong. So I, I, I always sure. no, felt yes. felt I a little, uh, or a little, or a lot of a lot of like that crown was too heavy for me to wear because I, I didn't deserve to wear that crown. Um, and the reason is it was always the staff rankings, whether I was at fantasy guru or at fantasy free agents, or now at fantasy points, whatever I'm going to put up there on fantasy pros, that's going to be rated and reviewed and all that. It's going to be our staff rankings. Now, I have made changes because our staff rankings are basically PPR and, you know, I'm not comfortable just saying, Oh, let's put them in half PPR and then put them up there on fantasy pros. No, I'll always go behind the scenes and, you know, make, make ideal tweaks. But those have always been our, our staff rankings and people are always like, Oh, what's the secret. And people think that because you put them just up on fantasy pros and they have a, an algorithm that essentially rates how well you did that, I was gaming the algorithm and and that it could not be farther from the truth. I don't I don't know what the process is, but it just seems that our organic process of John Hansen coming in and laying down the first draft of rankings, hey, what do you guys think about this? Hey, this guy's way too low. That guy's way too high. You need to add this guy to the rankings. I think he could contribute. That entire process, which is literally a back and forth, and when you know, we we do it in our Slack channel. Like there's a rankings channel in our Slack channel where we do that and we mm-hmm. send articles to each other. Hey, you know, they're saying Damian Harris could be the guy in New England. Well, that entire process. Yeah. Do you start with a baseline of a formula? Well, it is a numbers game. Fantasy football is a numbers game, but it's also an information and a gut game. And there's some luck involved and trying to incorporate all those things and trying to say, hey, I have this figured out is, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. And our rankings are based on the fact that we don't know a lot and you have to hedge at points and you have to say, Hey, I'm going to rank these two running backs in the same backfield really closely together because I don't know. Um, Sometimes you feel comfortable taking a stand. Other times you don't. That entire process has kind of worked out well. And now I don't know if there's something in the fantasy points process that, or the, excuse me, the fantasy pros algorithm that, we're unintentionally exploiting. I don't know about that, but no, like to suggest that it's me. No, that I know my name's on it. My name was on it because John Hansen was like, Hey, why don't you submit 
our rankings to this like 10 years ago. That's what he said. So like, that's why my name's on it. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Now, I mean, my, my, my input is in those rankings, but I mean, John is the one who comes up with the baseline and we adjust based on our staff knowledge. So um, there, there's nothing about that. It's just, it, it, I think the thing about our rankings I think a lot of them are are just common sense. Like when you think about them, there's a good reason why every player is where he is. And if, and if I look at our rankings that maybe John's first draft or a second draft, if I look at them and, and I'm like, man, that does not make sense. We get it fixed. And that's, that's the advantage of having a team of voices, but not a hundred voices. Exactly. I think a lot of times that the mistake that play that, even just general just general fantasy players the average fantasy player makes is overthinking things and to have a a collective group of voices at fantasy points to say hey man this just doesn't make like this yeah sure the data says this and that but this just doesn't look look what the outcome was right does this really make sense and i think that somebody because unfortunately you know and maybe fortunately to for for maybe business reasons people like being spoon-fed we we joke a lot about in the group chat about Oh, you know, are these flex rankings out? Are you going to get your flex rankings? You know, this person or that person. I think a lot of people like to be spoon fed. Mm -hmm. And the other group of people is a group of people who overthink things. And I think when you can combine uh, giving content or, 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 or sharing content, providing content that is, you know, common sense and simple enough for people to digest, which is exactly what, what you guys have learned to do. And, and you sort of nail down the, the science and the art of it. I think that, that, you will grow a massive fan base and you have grown a massive fan base the i was absolutely uh, in in awe when the when we turned when we downloaded the slack chat not the slack chat i'm sorry the uh, discord and the amount of people that were coming in and just ardent loyal supporters of you guys was i think a testament to the hard work that you put into like you said you were saying you know th this is a collective team effort and that work is in the fruits of your work are in the people who were going to subscribe to you you know, whether you rank Damian Harris as the number one overall running back in 2020, mm -hmm. these people are probably going to stick with you anyway. And I think that's a testament to the work that you put in. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. You 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 raise an interesting point. Um, you say you got the science and the art of it. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons that John Hansen has been so successful in this industry, and I guess I kind of take after him. I would say Tom and I, Brawley and I take after John more in the we treat fantasy football like an art and Graham and Scott understand that perspective. They don't scoff at that perspective, but they treat it more like a science. And those, those things kind of come together, you know, with our rankings and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, there's, um, I, so I went to Catholic school. I grew up, I went to Catholic school, um, for, um, for 12 years. And I was always, I was always like baffled by the notion that a belief in, and I'm not, I'm not saying I believe one thing or another, but I'm just saying to draw, to, to draw a comparison, the notion that belief in a higher being higher of a higher intelligence than we possess as, as people and a belief in science were opposed to each other. I was always baffled by that. I was like, why would you think they're opposed to each other? Like, can't they work in concert whether you believe in that or don't? Like, it, I, I was always bothered by that. And, I, and I'm and i really against the notion that treating fantasy 
for a much lower level kind of discussion it is different than combining an art and a science I, very much what i do how i draft and i've had a lot of success drafting teams is a feel thing and uh, is there science involved in that feel maybe not and maybe i can't put it into numbers and words the way somebody like scott barrett can but of course there's a science to that but there is a feel thing and a gut thing and, and all that element. And I honestly think that's why we do have people who, who are loyal to us because not only do I believe fantasy football in many ways is an art um, because you, you, there isn't something that you can point to and say it is exactly that. But also the industry is so inundated with talented people. Another reason for my imposter syndrome um, that you're making a choice here and you're making a choice of, yes, do I want to be informed, but I also want to be entertained. So it, you could, you could have somebody giving you the best information, but if it's not in a digestible package, you're probably not going to, to subscribe to that podcast or that website. However, if, if it's the right misc, uh, mix of, of edibility, is that a word? Edibility? Yes, you if, just it, said it. It's a word. <laughs> if it's if it's the right mix of that plus information, I think you know. I think I think people are going to will will subscribe to your website. You know, there's a reason we don't all just eat kale 24 hours a day. Well, maybe we would be healthier if we did. But just lunch and dinner. That's all I do. That's yeah, all I eat is kale. Actually, yeah. Oh God, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I just had. Uh, I, I don't mind kale, but like. We could all have way healthier diets, right? But absolutely, you, right. you need some variety. You need some enjoyment, and that's kind of how I think we treat it at Fantasy Points. Like, you know, do we have spreadsheets? Hell yeah. Do we have podcasts where we're gonna make like fart jokes every once in a while? Sure. <laughs> you know, um, I, I can't. I don't know if I made any fart jokes last year, but no. But you know, you have to understand that that, that I think there's a balance, and I've only, I've only really begun to come to grasp with the fact that my personality and the fact that, you know, I am, not, I don't, I don't have a statistic. I haven't created a statistical model that rates running back prospects coming into the NFL purely from an analytical and a number standpoint. I have not done that. I understand the value in them, but I haven't done that. I don't think I'm intelligent enough to do that, but coming to grips with the fact that I have something to give, even when there's people out there doing work that is so far above my head is something that took me a long time to come to grips with and in ways I still am. I think that you make a good point though in in that you everybody is going to find their flavor of of analyst, right? I mean everybody's going to subscribe at the end of the day to A what will entertain them, B what will help them win, and C are you just do you just seem like a likable person? And dude, let me tell you, in 2019, uh, that was the first time that I listened to your and Tom, like your pod specifically along with Tom every single episode like all week like i, I was appreciate a fan. that and it yeah and it, it was because, i think there were episodes because, even i didn't listen to i was just kind of like i was sitting there being like yeah tom what's up with this <laughs> you know when you do a five day a week podcast sometimes that happens but <laughs> oh absolutely but you guys are you guys were just likable man i mean it was it, it was enjoyable and it was fun and i think that um you really are, it's it's crazy to say that after you know all of the all the accolades that you that you've accomplished um you have the humility and the understanding of 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 finding your footing and saying, Hey, this is actually where I stand and where I believe that I stand in the industry. And this is, this is where this is, this is the type of niche that I'm in. And this is, I'm finding myself. 
And I, I think that takes that's, that takes a lot of humility. And I think that maybe it's, it's the one thing that we're lacking uh, in the fantasy industry in general is, is maybe that humility. Because every like you said, everybody has access to numbers. Everybody has access to spreadsheets. And so everybody thinks that their opinion, you know, deserves some sort of uh, some sort of praise, some, some sort of uh, platform. And that's just not the case. And I think the lesson that I'm, I'm taking away from everything you said is that a good dose of humility and understanding that even after 10 years, you and, and your team, you, you guys are still, you know, fine tuning, refining, changing, and and understanding that you're not going to be for everybody. And, and this takes effort and this takes time. I think that's huge. Sort of along those same lines, what would you think? And, and this is this will be the last question before I let you go here. What, what would you think is the biggest mistake to people that, that people are making who want to be a fantasy analyst, who want to do something along the lines of what you do, maybe full-time, or they want to make that jump from part-time to full-time. What do you mm-hmm. think that, do you see any common mistakes or things that you try to avoid? Well, there, there is something I try to avoid and oftentimes I fail at it. Uh, and um, because we all think we're right, right? You know, if you have an opinion on something and, and it's sometimes it'll be an opinion when you talk sports, uh, oftentimes an opinion Unless it's something like LeBron James is good, you know, like some of the, some of those things will be unprovable or on the flip side will be you can constantly argue them where where points, you know, sometimes get muddied. Um, and I, I do struggle with this, but sometimes what I do think I see a little too much of is a lack of intellectual humility. And yep. mm-hmm. I, I think on social media, I like that you, you'll find the lack of intellectual humility in every walk of life. It's not just sports. It's not just fantasy football, but um, some of, some of that is, some of that is staggering. And um, you refer back to the scene um, at Jurassic in Jurassic park where they're having their lunch. I, I, I believe it was the Chilean sea bass um, in the conference room. And um, Ian Malcolm talks about, you know, the, the whole famous like, you know, you were, you were so busy preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. And he talked and he essentially refers to the lack of intellectual humility and how staggering it is. We're doing that on a much, much smaller scale here. We're not bringing 60 ton prehistoric animals back to life. Um, right. But um, I, I, I think that is something that just turns me off personally. And I have, I have got to get over the fact that, you know, sometimes everybody thinks they're right, but sometimes, Joe, you know what? You're not right. You know, you're not any smarter or dumber than anybody else sometimes. Um, that now there are wrong opinions, but I think sometimes the way we say things with such certainty needs to be toned down. And maybe that doesn't sell. Maybe that doesn't get you Twitter followers, but I think the ability to have a really an honest conversation, um, has kind of gone by the wayside in the era of Twitter. And that's not just with fantasy, but that's with, that's with everything. But I do notice it in the football community. Um, And, and the unfortunate thing is this happened probably about like 10 years ago in the baseball community, but analytics and baseball were always ahead of those in football. And, and I think baseball writing has started to have a little bit of a reckoning with that. You know, the, the, just kind of the the boiling down of people, people who play these sports referred to as assets. And, right. and, and like, you especially heard it with minor leaguers, you know, um, in baseball. And, you know, just, oh, relievers are fungible, so, you know, you shouldn't pay for them. And I'm just, I was turned off by that kind of baseball writing. I used to eat that that shit up, but I was turned off by that kind of baseball writing about a decade ago. And, and, and I am starting to see it happen 
in in football writing. And I think there is somebody like Graham and Scott who can understand, support, endorse that line of thinking while also kind of realizing, hey, we have to have some humility about this because this is people playing the game. I think that's really important. And unfortunately, I think maybe those voices don't get amplified a lot. Absolutely. That's the one thing I've been doing this, you know, one tenth of the amount of time that you've been doing it. And the, the one thing that that I absolutely can get behind is the idea of this is this person is a buyer, not even this person, right? It's like you said, this asset, this is a buy, this person's a sell this, you know, you need to go acquire, you need to invest, you need to flip. It's like, dude, we are not talking about used cars, right? Like at the end of the day, we are talking about human beings, living, breathing human beings. And I think that uh, I think that a lot of times what keeps some some of us honest is the occasional response from a player, right? I think that's something that really mm-hmm. keeps some of us honest is when they uh, they'll quote tweet and say something, and then I feel I feel like at least I like to think that really shakes some of us, wakes us back up, and okay, you know, this is a person I should probably speak a little more respectfully about them. Um, it's a game to us, but this is literally their professional life. I need to be a little bit more bit more respectful, but. I think that the idea that you talked about this intellectual uh, intellectual humility is extremely important. And I think that not having a revisionist history, right, when you might get something wrong and you say, well, actually, I wasn't wrong because I meant it in this, yeah. you know, this capacity. And I think that's that's such an awesome point to make is, is about intellectual humility. So you know, like sometimes this is not to interrupt you, but sometimes we are right for the wrong reasons or wrong right. for the right reasons. Like we made yep. we made every decision correctly. But something happened outside of our purview, for instance, a worldwide pandemic. Um, and then sometimes, you know, like, for instance, we didn't love Derrick Henry and we never have. And but if say say you don't like a player and he's going off and you say nobody should draft him. And then he goes off for 130 rushing yards in the first half of week one. And then he breaks his ankle in the second half. Well, none of your subscribers had him, but damn, he was looking pretty good before he got hurt. So I think right. there is you have to understand when you're wrong for the right reasons and right for the wrong reasons. And that's part of intellectual humility, I think. Absolutely. Man, that was such a – God, that was – this is all so good. I'm so excited to put this out. I'm going to put this out as soon as we're done recording. Um, but I did – I mean, the last question I was going to ask you was, you know, what's your final Band-Aid of advice here on the Injury Prone Podcast? We like to hand out little Band-Aids of advice to, to help heal the, uh, the heal society or the, the, the uh, fantasy industry in general. But your, your bit on, you know – intellectual humility really and i think that's a perfect answer unless you want to amend that then i do have one more extremely pressing question for you okay well um i would think it's just and i need to i struggle with this too and i really need to work on it myself but it's to care about other people somebody people have shit going on you know like yes it's 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 tough in this day and age but like people do have stuff going on that goes deeper than the pandemic or deeper, you know, than, than politics. And so people do have stuff going on and I'm, I do try to remember that I fail at it quite a bit, but I try to remember that. That's perfect. That's amazing. Uh, that's, that's exactly the type of, uh, type of response I'd expect from you. And that's a great response. And I couldn't agree more. The last question I have for you though, here, before I let you get out here, get out of here. Okay. You're at the liquor store. Good okay. times on the line. Whiskey and seltzers are all sold out. What are you reaching for? Well, first and foremost, I have to point out to you that I live in Pennsylvania for the next like six days. 
which means whiskey and seltzers are not sold at the same place. <laughs> so I have to point that out to you because Pennsylvania sure. has has the most archaic liquor laws. Um, I'm not sure how much better South Carolina is, although I know I can get liquor at the grocery store. But if whiskey and seltzers are gone, I'm probably going to reach for like a craft Pilsner or a Kolsch or something like that. Wow. That's uh, that's not what I know what I expected, but that's uh, not what I expected necessarily. So the only liquor that I would drink even on a semi-regular basis that isn't whiskey is a gin and tonic. And oh man, so that like, is like I can't, I can't stomach those. <sighs> oh yeah, I'm a gin and tonic guy, especially in the summer. Um, but my my 99 of my liquor intake is straight whiskey. Um, and then what, especially if I'm day drinking, um, whiskey during the day is a bad idea. Um, I, I will have a couple white claw seltzers of uh, the Trulies are a little bit on the sweet side for me. I've tried them. Um, I, I do have to, to go through and try some others, but no, that would be, uh, like a, a light, like a craft Pilsner. I'm not talking Bud Light, but like a craft Pilsner oh, or a Kolsch, like something like that. That's got a little bit of a fruity underbody, but not too high ABV would be my go-to. There you go. There's your answer. Uh, he, he's not. If he's not going whiskey, he's not going seltzers. He's gonna gonna reach for something a little lighter on the light side. So, Joe, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Now you, I know you said you had to get out of here, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, find Joe at fg underscore Dolan on Twitter. Go to fantasypoints.com and read his letter, his welcome letter, and it's it's absolutely amazing. This is an absolute jam packed uh, episode where he gets to know Joe a, a little better, and I think it's uh, it's it's one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded so far. So I really appreciate having having me. Ha- Jeez, I appreciate you coming on, Joe. That's what I meant to say. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, I, I love working with you, and I hope to be back soon. Hey, me too. All right, that'll do it for the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, and um, that's it. That'll do it for now. See you next time.